Welcome back to uh, Tough Men of Faith. RT, how you doing? Doing good, Nick. Glad good. to be here. Yeah, me too. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun doing these interviews here lately. Yeah, I've heard that people uh, enjoy the interviews more because they hear less of us. Yeah, that, I've actually heard <laughs> that, that too. Is that um, it? I think producer Blake has an easier time editing too. Yeah. When he hears less of me, I think it's a little easier. Let's jump into it. I'm excited Ready? about today's podcast. Um, our guest is Wendell Chin, and we have only... We've spoke a couple of times, three, three times we've met. And I don't know, Nick, sometimes that when you're around someone and you can just like, not over-spiritualize this, but you can just sense that they're a man of God, yeah. like that they, they walk with God, just their demeanor, their wisdom, their discernment in, in very short conversations I've had. Yeah, uh, just with the way they guests. carry themselves. Yeah, I've, I've always felt that. And I've had you on my list of, for a while, I was like, I just want to sit down and get coffee with you sometime or grab lunch or just to kind of hear your story and, and talk through some things. Yes, and I know yes. you have a lot of wisdom and you have an interesting experience. And I thought when I was thinking through that, I was actually going to reach out to you. It's like, why not just sit down on the podcast and, and let some of our guests kind of hear that. And so it sounds good. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome yeah, here welcome. to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You has got to watch out for Nick. Now sometimes you'll be talking and he has the, he has great jokes. Sometimes I have one liners. Yeah, so. <laughs> sometimes it's in the middle of a church sermon. Sometimes it's just here in the podcast studio and I've been trying to, Control myself. Yeah. I'm trying to be slower to speak. It hasn't gone as great as it could have. We've been going through James as a church here, oh, and slow right. to speak, you know, is in there, and so I'm quick to listen. Quick to listen. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of us have been trying to and learn. Slow that. to wrap. It's like, yes. And, and I need yeah. to be better at all three of those <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. So what uh, the question we like to ask to kind of start things off? We know we'll go a lot of different directions. Is how did you get to where you're at now in life? From when you were born to mm-hmm. to where you're at now? What is that? Uh, story look like and how did you see God moving through it and how mm-hmm. you came to Christ and so we'll just kind of start with that if you're okay with it. Well yes I am um, I am from South Texas and those on the podcast can probably pick up on my southern accent and the best way I can say that in answering is I'm doing a book on reflections and I am reflecting on where I came from to where I am now mm. with regards to the Lord. I grew up in the South. I grew up in segregation. And halfway through my high school life, I was very angry, very frustrated with regards to the conditions that I was exposed to. What year did you graduate from high school? This would kind of In 68. 68. Okay. Yeah. So rough time in the country. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Well, I graduated in 68. I graduated from, I went, went to college, Purdue VA and M College, a historically black college and university, HB, HBPC as we say, um, and graduated from that in 72. But leading up to there, I was exposed to a lot of segregation, a lot of prejudice, and I didn't like white people. Not at all. And look at you now. You're in a room with four of them. Well. <laughs> Three of them. Well, I must say also, I've been pastoring a church and for the podcast listeners, I've been pastoring a church about 65 miles south of Indianapolis called Seymour, Indiana. Okay. And it is 24,000 whites, Caucasian, and only about 30 to 60 African-Americans in oh, the wow. whole city. Okay. So 
uh, <laughs> to answer your to answer your question or to respond to your comment is not just a matter of being in a room with <laughs> with all with all white folks, but but I uh, I was just kidding about yeah, yeah, yeah. that. No, 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 you know, no, no, no. And RT no. called me today. He said, "Hey, man, am, no, I'm a very candid person." He said, "I need you to be easy on the jokes today." He said, just we don't know how Wendell's going to well, take you. Well, you said you do one-liners. So. Yeah, that's my problem. I yeah. need to I need no. to be slower to speak. Remember, but. but um, my life journey with regards to Christ was such that the Lord was pulling me in. He's pulling me in with his love. He's pulling me in with his, with his grace and his mercy. He's pulling me in with regards to salvation. And when I was in high school, uh, I had a lot of challenges. I graduated with no problem. I graduated from college with no problem. I chose my college institution based upon, again, not wanting to be around white people. Hmm. So I went to a, a uh, historically black uh, university and graduated with honors. Um, but while I was there, <laughs> while I was there, I had a very positive interaction with, with whites from the standpoint of I was a midshipman. And there were very few black midshipmen uh, when I was coming through college, and and so my exposure to, I would say, Caucasians, my exposure to Caucasians evolved basically because I was starting to interact with people who were from all midshipmen from all walks of life and all parts of the country, and so that was not a prejudicial view of accepting me. Hmm. And what, what's a midshipman? A midshipman is a Navy uh, student, naval student, or Marine student in college. Okay. And you can have that designation based upon your desire to go to uh, either the Navy or the Marine Corps. Okay. Uh, after four years of college. Okay. And I chose... Uh, I chose the Marines. I never thought we'd have a Marine on this show. Right? Man, I a little disappointed All myself. All the only guys that have been on here. <laughs> I like being the first. Yeah. <laughs> so this but is like ROTC. It was ROTC. ROTC in college. It was okay. ROTC. Yeah. And my exposure was broadened. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, the Lord was pulling me in as a, a go-getter alpha male <laughs> to uh, to a uh, a mild-mannered Christian. Hmm. And a lot of individuals say, I found the Lord. Uh, I found the Lord, even though he was not looking for me, I was looking for him. Uh, halfway through uh, the Marine Corps career, I stayed in for about 10 years. So halfway through my Marine Corps career, uh, it's interesting. The paradox is very interesting. I was saved in a, um, a church in little country church in <laughs> Jacksonville, North Carolina, and guess what? It was predominantly white. <laughs> and and I found the Lord has a interesting sense of humor. <laughs> One of the things that when I was coming into, I would say, salvation was the Lord told me I have to love everybody. And initially it was a challenge uh, for me, but as I progressed as I reflect, as I progress through my life journey, I have learned to love everybody. I've learned to to turn the other cheek. The saying used to be, what would Jesus do? The little initials, what would Jesus do? Well, 
I take that to heart with regards to my response to individuals um, uh, that I come in contact with, uh, black or white or brown or you know whatever. I, I've done a lot of international travel, both when I was in Marine Corps and since I've been saved. And, and so my, my mantra is, I want to make a difference in the lives of people that I come in contact with. I want to make a difference in the lives of the men that I come in contact with. So I do uh, workshops for men's and leadership. Uh, most of the time, it's men because of our <clears throat> male chauvinist society in the church. Uh, 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 but I do leadership and seminars uh, a lot to men. And and I have found that I have a, a big bag to... Um, to glean from, I have a, I have a big bag of experiences to explain explain that. I have a big, a large bag of experiences that I can I can utilize in trying to make a difference in the lives of people that I come in contact with. Yes, yeah, so you. What'd you major in in college? In in, um, I have two degrees. Okay. In my bachelor's was in the social science. Okay. From Prairie View, as I said, and my master's was in um, uh, social work from Indiana University. Okay. So when you came out of your undergrad, did you go straight into active duty Marines? I went after straight that? to active duty. So that would have been 72, 73? 72. So 72. Vietnam War still going on? Vietnam right? War was still going on. I was trying to get to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went in as an officer, as a second lieutenant, and um, uh, those. On the podcast, if you've heard the name uh, 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 Captain Ollie North uh, or Colonel Ollie North, uh, Captain Ollie North uh, was one of my instructors when I was a uh, second lieutenant in the Marine really? Corps. Really? Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was pre- it's pretty cool that, now. It's almost 50 years later. That but is really cool. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. He, he, he was someone that I really, I really admired. And and still hold in high esteem, mm-hmm. in high esteem. Yeah. So you and I think I was doing some reading about some of your education experience and things. You graduated mm-hmm. top of your class. Mm-hmm. Um, they issued you a sword. Oh, uh, that's an interesting. <laughs> that's an in- interesting development in my life. Yeah. I got a call about. It was 2019. I got a call about four years or so ago, and they they said. Is this uh, Captain Chin? And I said, yes. And then they said, <laughs> yeah, uh, did you did you graduate from Prairie View as the top of your class? And I said, who is this? <laughs> We've been trying to reach you about your car's uh, you extended know, warranty. Out of the clear blue sky, somebody's asking me that. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And they said, do you still have, own your Mameluke sword? That's Marine Corps officer sword. It's called a Mameluke sword from the Barbara Pirates. But I'm going to go, I love history. My daddy was a history teacher, so I love history. But they said, I said yes. And um, they, they, identif- they identified themselves and said they were from the um, Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., the African-American Museum of, of History and Culture, which had just been opened up about yeah. five years ago. And they said, we want, to, we want to put your artifact, your sword, 
in the Smithsonian Institute. And I said, you kid. Now, before I got saved, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I said, you got to be kidding me. And they were not. And, and, and the rest is history. They said, you are living. They said, you are living legend because most of the individuals who have their artifacts in the Smithsonian Institute are dead. Gotcha. And you are a living legend with regards to having that done. So they, they invited my wife and I and my brothers went to uh, Washington, D.C., to the, to the African American Museum of History and Culture, and they had a huge gala. And I didn't know it was going to be quite like that. <laughs> Seriously. And it was... 400, 500 people there. Oh, wow. They closed down the African American Museum of History and Culture uh, for that evening, and and it was it was. So, is there a story behind the sword as to why they wanted it? Um, Other than yes, you being yes, the yes. Vietnam was going on. Yep. I wanted to um, go to the Marine Corps um, as a second lieutenant, and my parents did not have, with regards to graduation from, as you said, ROTC. Uh, my parents uh, did not have all of the funds for a complete uniform. Okay. When you graduate, you have to have not just a sword, but you have to have the complete uniform for graduation. And and at that time, we were we were giving, uh, they were giving awarding. I guess is a better word. They were awarding uh, a sword to the top midshipman, the top person in their class. Okay. And and at the time. We didn't know it, but years later, at the time, our class was the first four-year graduating class of black midshipmen in the United States. Oh wow! And and my, you know, I was the top <laughs> midshipman. Yeah, you were the top and, guy. Uh, yeah, I was the top guy. I was the top. Remember, I said I was the alpha, alpha male. So yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was something else. But that's 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 um. So you're making history and didn't even know it. I didn't even know right? it. Right, that you were the top of your class, the first class to do this. I didn't even this. know it. Um, I didn't even know it. I was just trying to, seriously, I was just trying to get to Vietnam. Yeah. I lost a friend of mine. I don't want to get teary on y'all, but I lost a friend of mine. I lost a friend of mine in Vietnam, uh, and he um, he got killed. And so I wanted to go to Vietnam and uh, make up for his loss. Yeah, avenge his, avenge his death. Yeah, yeah, but um, and it you were in God's. It wasn't God's plan. Yeah, I was gonna say because <laughs> back then, like most people are having to be drafted to go to Vietnam, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're opposite. That's like I want to be an mm-hmm. officer. I want to yes. be in charge. I'm gonna go to college. I'm yes. gonna get there as soon as yes. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, that was my intent. But uh, mm-hmm. it was something. I, now, with regards to reflecting, with regards to college, I graduated to top midshipman, but also was the president of student government association student body association mm-hmm. um, um and and so i had i had the military <laughs> on one side and and civilians the students on the other side who didn't like the military at that uh, time who did not R- like right? the, the college students, yeah they were they were they were removing uh, rotc units off of colleges and universities when i was in school and and i was in school for at at uh, the university for four years my last year, I was a, I was a top midshipman. I was battalion commander of the ROTC unit, and I was also the student government president. And we were, as students, we were in a constant turmoil. 
out of the four years that I went to Purview, the first three years, there was a riot, a literal riot. Um, first three years. The year that I was student government president, there was no riot. The year after I left, guess what? There was a riot. And what I did was get the students involved in politics. I was at the time, uh, and I underline that, but I was at the time a young Democrat and in the Young Democrat Party. And, and the state of Texas passed a law that said that students at colleges and universities could vote either where they, where they went to college or the university or their, their home of residence. And so I saw an opportunity to get Other people a lot of people involved. Yeah. And, and, and I, um, I, I, I devoted a lot of time and a lot of effort my senior year, not just to the ROTC unit, but to the student government side uh, to get people involved in, not, not necessarily Republicans or Democrats, it didn't matter, just get them politically involved. Uh, it was semi-successful. Yeah, so kind of bring this back around to mm -hmm. the sword. So if we go to the Smithsonian now, is that still on, your sword still on display? It It's there. I had okay. to sign, I had to give it away. I was wondering I, how that works. So you I, give it to, well, you yeah, sign it you over have to, to you, you sign it over yeah. uh, to the Smithsonian, sign it over to the, um, uh, the Institute, and you no longer have possession of yeah. it. So they did the, they did the ceremony, and... They passed the sword from person to person. I have friends who are admirals. I have friends who are black admirals, mm -hmm. black generals, and all of those guys. And, and some ladies were there. And uh, they had a line, and they just passed the sword from one end to the to the end where the, uh, where the curator for the uh, Smithsonian Institute, uh, African-American Museum of History and Culture, was at that end. And then... They gave it to her, uh, we gave it to her, and then uh, I had to say, hasta la vista, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that had to be so moving, though, to see um, this sword that you, you earned as a second lieutenant yeah. to be passed through admirals yeah. and then be put in, in the museum there. That's pretty cool. And that museum, have you been there, Nick? I haven't. Man, I've, I've been to all the Smithsonian's there. That one is, it's incredible. Really? It's yeah. moving. It's yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to the African American Museum? That's the one I'm talking about. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I've been to that one. Yeah. I took my kids after I went to it. I made sure to take my kids back to it. Yes. Um, this the, the stories it tells. Yes. And yes. Yeah. It's. Yes. It is it's, so good. It is, That's awesome. It, I need to do a DC trip. Yeah. When you do it, you got it. When I went to it the first time, it like you said, it's only been open a few years, mm -hmm. and I think you had to get tickets or something. Yeah. It was tough to get into yes. back then. It's very for me. On my well, you're night, a celebrity. you on just my, walk in. On right? my night, I couldn't just walk in. <laughs> on my night, I had to have X number of tickets too. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. So so okay. So you you go in the Marines. Mm -hmm. What does your Marine career look like? Oh, uh, pretty typical. I did uh, overseas tour duty um, and stateside tour duty overseas. Okay. I uh, second lieutenant took the the training of. Captain Ollie North <laughs> with yeah. me, but we did um, Okinawa, uh, the Philippines, uh, uh, Taiwan, came back from overseas in 74, uh, the latter part of 74, and did a Marine barracks. So I was a senior guard officer at a Marine barracks, special weapons. That'd be a tough job. Yeah. Marines like to get in trouble. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't get in trouble at a Marine barracks. <laughs> if you do, you don't say that at long. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But I did that, and uh, what is uh, what special weapons entail? Uh, Can't talk about it. I will just say special <laughs> weapons. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll just say special. We- you have to sign. Yeah, no, you know, you have to sign uh, <laughs> things. So I'll just say special weapons. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. spent how many years total in the Marines? Uh, nine years and nine okay. months. Okay. And then when you got in Marines, is that when you went and got your master's? And No, I um, I got saved. And like I said, I found the Lord. <laughs> uh, I was looking for him and didn't know I was looking for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, in North Carolina, Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife died. Uh, we moved here in, in uh, June uh, of 81, and she died the middle of July of 81. And I was left with, with two adopted daughters and one natural son, three kids, single parent. Hmm. That's uh, a lot. Here, that's a lot. And here in Indianapolis, I didn't know anybody because I'd just gotten out of the Marine Corps yeah. uh, and didn't know anybody. I did not have my master's. And, and I put in for um, the juvenile detention center here in Indianapolis. Okay. It, at the time, it was one of the largest juvenile detention centers in the United States. Oh, wow. And, and I put in for that as director of child care. Uh, subsequently, I, I got that position. And with that position, it required having a master's. And so I went back to uh, school, and that's when I got my master's from IU. I was in the three-year program, and I got it in two years, and I graduated with honors with okay. three kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that, that is. That's a lot of crock pots. <laughs> I had three crock pots going, and I was a latchkey dad, and and uh, that's a whole. We don't even have time to deal with that. A lot of tears. Yeah, a lot of tears. I prayed a lot of time, and the Marine in me. Remember, John said, John the Baptist. He said basically, I must decrease so he can increase. Mm. Yep. And that's what, and I'm still learning, but that's what I had to learn to do. Yeah. You know, I had to be a, a, a mother and a father to my children. And uh, that was that was a very trying time. Um, but the kids were, they were not disruptive in it. Oh, yeah. kids are disruptive. <laughs> my kids were <laughs> <Yeah>. disruptive, <laughs> but they were not disruptive. Me being a director of childcare at a juvenile center, I didn't have them in the juvenile center. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but I was able to graduate and um, I became a uh, a certified marriage and family therapist and a uh, clinical social worker, and that's what I did. I've been retired thirteen years. Okay, as a clinical social worker and a marriage and family therapist, yeah. certified marriage and family therapist. I think we're going to wrap up this episode okay. right here, and right. then uh, come back and kind of pick up where we left left off right there and get some practical advice for men and i've got a couple other questions for you if that's all right (laughs) all right all right so thanks for joining us on tough men of faith yep we'll see you next week see you next week